HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host. This is Thursday, October 5th, 2023, and it's the night kicking off Cider Week in New York. We're here in the studio at Roberta's Pizza. We have two great people who love cider and indie folk music, so this is going to be our special cider and folk music show. So let's go around the room and introduce each other. Um, I'm Jimmy Carboni again, the host of Beer Sessions Radio. Elizabeth, upstate, what's your name? Elizabeth Ryan, fermenter, pomologist, and a cider maker. And one of the pioneers in New York State cider. <laughs> and Fee? Uh, Fee Doyle, short for Felicity. I'm a bartender, beer tender, cider drinker. I uh, used to write a bit about beer in those before times, um, but yeah, glad to be here. And now you work at Beer Witch. And I work Brooklyn. at Beer Witch in Park Slope. So it's cool. So we've yeah. got someone who who is not only growing apples and making cider, we've got someone else that, that selects and, and sells it. So this is one of those shows where why why we want you coming into the city for Cider Week because there's a lot of accounts and beer bars and restaurants that want to know more about cider. And to me, that's always what Cider Week's been about. So, Elizabeth, a little background on you. I mean, tell us about the farms that that, that, that you run and a kind well, of quick survey of, of the... The different apples and 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 just a, just an overview so everyone gets it because we see you at Green Market but but we never can quite figure out which farm is yours. Well, for a really long time we had one little farm, Breezy Hill Orchard. We founded Green Market, um, but we started growing and people started offering us these incredible historic farms: Stonebridge Orchard, um, Drumlin Farm, Adair Winery, and Millcrest Farm, and we just couldn't bear. You know, we were growing the cider business, we were growing the farms, we were growing other stuff. Um, I started, I went to Cornell and I, I started making hard cider uh, in 1980, before any of you guys were born, 1980, <laughs> when I was at Cornell. Um, I started making cider legally in 1996. 
And I, most of the guys that were really the venerable old cider makers, I went all over New England and New York, and they were mostly, I hate to say it, dead. They were mostly dead. So uh, I felt I had to go to the mothership across the ponds. I went to England and I studied in Hereford and Somerset. And that was the beginning of many, many trips. Um, uh to kind of um, apprentice and learn from Richard Sheppey and Julian Temperley and, and some of these legendary guys. And what I, what I found there was the thing they make called scrumpy was the thing that I fell the most in love with. And that was this rustic, unfiltered farm cider, unsulfided. And we had no analog in the market in, in America. I mean, we, we used to drink a lot of that stuff. Um, but we stopped, whether it was prohibition, whether it was switching to green base, beer, whatever. So I wanted to kind of rediscover the category. And that was the beginning of my journey. So I like, I like that you brought that up because I, I was earlier, I was talking with Fee and I remember that this for my, my journey in cider started with cider, the first cider week in 2011. And I remember it, it was like just discovering, it was like, there's the classic styles in Spain and in England and, and France. And then it's like, who, who's making cider in, in, you know, the, the Northeast. And is it still, is it, is it sparkling? And I think it was, it was 2016 when I was with Andy Brennan from Aaron Burr. And he said, listen, I've got something that we don't sell, but it's, it's only for mm-hmm. our CSA. It's called scrumpy. And I thought I loved it. Mm-hmm. So what I'm seeing as things evolving now, it's kind of like the old school is what everybody wants. And I love the other day you yeah. said you're, you're making a scrumpy now. And remember for like 10 years, everyone was talking about heritage apples and heirloom apples. And now we're back to scrumpy. Um, we, you know, let, let's talk about scrumpy. This is yeah. a cool show. This is the scrumpy show now. And I, I've never actually heard of the term scrumpy until today. So this is a, a great learning moment for me. Yeah. Well, what What is scrumpy? Like, you know, okay, you you had to ask Jimmy. You just <laughs> opened Pandora's box. <laughs> so, when I first went to England, you drive around and you see these little signs by the side of the road. They say "scrumpy," and everybody knows what it is. It's it's farm cider. Um, you buy, you know, they sell it in the barn, and it it means that it's rough and it's raw and it's unprocessed. And it's unfiltered, and the term scrumpy has been around for a very long time. It's, you know, probably Elizabethan. It, oh. and, and there's a term called scrumping for apples, and that means getting the windfalls or, mm. or stealing apples. But there are many other, some of which I cannot say on the air, but... <laughs> Not safe uh, for we work. launched with what we called Farmhouse Scrumpy in 96. And we, when we started going into Irish and English beer bars in New York, um, you know, we, we learned really fast that there were a lot of other um, popular culture uh, terms of art <laughs> that Scrumpy meant. And, um, and, I, maybe I'll leave it at that, but I'll leave it to your imagination. But, you know, there's always been a close association with cider and sex and mm-hmm. orchards 
and apples, it goes back to the Bible. Oh, the Bible, Adam and, and Eve, of course. Yeah. You know, so scrumpy in England means a raw, fresh cider. But there, there are many other ways people use the word scrumpy. Maybe you can so. elaborate because this is a, an adult show, <laughs> 21 plus show. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it basically it means um, you don't have sex. I mean, it's a kind of euphemism for fuck in some ways. So, um, All right. Scrumping, scrumping. scrumping for apples. And, um, it, you know, any way you slice <laughs> it, it's a fun, delicious thing, okay? Yeah. It, is, it is the best. And um, it is, it is uh, the least tampered with. And when I studied cider making, and I went and I took Peter Mitchell's great course in Hereford, and I was one of the first Americans to go over there, uh, we were people were still being taught to um, to sulfite the ciders first of all to kill all the wild natural yeast and you know pretty standard winemaking of you know the fifties before the movement and then you were taught to inoculate with a very carefully selected yeast usually champagne yeast um, that's a hard fast ferment champagne yeast, but it, it works really well um, with apples. And then people would filter ciders, and then they would sulfite them, and they'd stick them in a bottle, and, and, and they, you know, it was expected that they had to be able to ship, and they had to be around for a while. And sometimes people would carbonate them and false carbonate them, for, force carbonate them. So that's the way I was taught to make cider. And like Andy, I always made scrumpy and sold it and we sold it in the farmer's markets and our distributors honestly i'm curious about your end of things i mean people fought me tooth and nail they didn't get it they didn't understand it it was quote unquote unstable what a horrible thing it had bits and pieces and leaves in the bottles people found that horrifying uh in some places and what when wasail opened i have dan Pucci the great Dan Pucci, um, um, he got it right away. And we always had a draft line for our scrumpy there. And um, and they poured a lot of our scrumpy. Good job, Dan. Hey, Fee, um, evolution of styles, you know, you've, you've been serving craft beverages for a number of years. Yeah. Um, how have you seen cider evolve? And Well, I, I think one of my my favorite things in, in being like more a, a beer centered service is cider. There is just a kind of a background developing taste for it more, maybe more of an underground thing that I think um, people who crave as much like variety as they would in their beer, like balance of acidity, uh, tannins, um, and just like variants of, mouthfeel, all these things we look for in like a pleasing beverage. Uh, introducing people to cider is really one of the most exciting things because it's just, um, I mean, very undersung and it's refreshing and very different ways. Um, and especially, you know, we're all in New York State and I know, Jimmy, you talk about um, revitalizing the Northeast uh, agriculture in many ways that it, it is like a traditional beverage for this area of the country. Um, and I 
that's what I nerd out and get passionate about, like historically. Um, as in terms of like being in the bar and serving it to someone who, like at Beer Witch, we have we have a dedicated cider line. Um, I believe right now we have a New York Cider Company uh, there up in Ithaca. Um, I think it, it's this option that's presented that people just go, oh. Um, yes. And it frequently, it translates to wine drinkers the easiest because of the, the fermentation and the processes are a lot more similar than as opposed to beer making. Um, Sophia, just that beer, which how many lines of, of beer do you have on tap? And then there's one line of cider. Uh, we have 13 lines. Uh, we'll have one or two ciders at one time, but always at least one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to introduce people to it. Yeah. 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 Hey, Elizabeth, what did you just pour? Because I know you've got a whole bunch of ciders <laughs> in front sounded, of you. Sounded nice. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you hear? I was actually just <laughs> yes. um, basic. So I've got four ciders in front of me. Let's do one at a time and then we'll tell you what we're drinking. But I want to keep talking that, about the scrumpy right. because I feel like scrumpy is now. And I feel like it's, it's what's going to set cider apart. I feel like we had the growing stages and then it was like, okay, let's talk about the historic apples. But um, at some point, that's exciting, but not really. And it's really what's in the glass, mm-hmm. right? And if I'm at, whether I'm at Beer Witch or some other place, if I got a, if I got a glass of Scrumpy, I'm sure that was sale with Dan Pucci, he got it right away. So what are you drinking? Well, so I have four things. Do you want me to talk about just one? Do one at a time, I'm yeah. Just, and then we'll talk about okay, something else. Okay, so, so, so. The the first one I'm drinking, it's such a huge classic. It's almost you know, a lot of people make it, but it's Northern Spy. And Northern Spy is um, a New York State apple that originated in the 1830s. Um, it's a classic. It's grown all over the country. But there's something about a spy, and it's, you know, it's it, it's got, to me, a very distinctive um, taste, uh, and, um, it's, it's a little bit, it's always pretty, I know it sounds like such a truism to call it apple or green apple or, or fruit forward, but it's all, it's all of those things. And, um, that's what I'm drinking. I'm looking at it. It's got this gorgeous color and it's, it's pet nat. There's a fine line between Pet Nat and Scrumpy. Maybe there's no line at all, <laughs> but it's got this beautiful mouthfeel because it's 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 got a very fine bubble to it. Mm. And that's always a little tricky for me as a cider maker. I've got to catch it and I've got to bottle it in exactly the right moment and it's not very forgiving and um when Andy first started, he had on the back of his labels, and I loved this. And it said, sometimes effervescent. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was genius, <laughs> genius. So how, how, do, how do you find that moment? I mean, mm. and how, like, how long is it? Just tell us the steps. So you, you, you grind and press, right? Well, but, so if I can just nerd out a little bit. You you got to have good apples. I uh, you know they've got to be picked, and there's a great temptation. And this is a wet year, to be honest. I'm struggling with the apples. Because everyone is because we've had so much rain, 
it's it's like wine. We have wet fruit. And I need to get the sugars up. I am like holding back from picking so many mm. things. It's making the guys who work for me literally crazy. <laughs> they want to pick. They want to pick this fruit. The color's amazing. And I'm like, taste these wine saps. They suck. They're not there yet. The sugar isn't there. They're like so wet from all this rain. So I think they're going to sugar up today's. Um, it, it dried out. So I'm looking for, as a producer, I'm looking for sugar and acid and flavor. Like I need that sweet spot. And and you would think it just happens every year. And that is weather driven. That's terroir. Mm. That is soil, growing practices, and weather. So that's the first thing. Then you want to hold as much of the aromatics and the polyphenols and all these, like apples have like two, 300 flavor compounds. It's insane. And so you're trying to hold as many of them. And the factors are, first of all, they have to be there in the first place. So that's that ripe aromatic. You all know, you know the difference between a green pear and a, and a ripe pear. Mm -hmm. And so we want that ripe apple, ripe pear. In France, they like lay the fruit out on the ground and they sweat the apples to get the flavor up, to intensify aroma. Nobody hardly does that in America. Yeah. Every year I want to do it, but I just like don't quite have um, the moxie, the time. There's so much going down. There's so much fruit to be picked. What would that, um, sorry to interject, what would that sweating yeah. the apples, what does that look like practically on the farm? Is it laying them out so just in a controlled in France, sun? Yeah, if you drive around, you literally see tarps down on the ground and you see these mountains of apples and they're drying out. They're desiccating a little bit. Mm. It's sort of a natural process. And they're just big heaps of them. Mm. And they're letting them begin. And you'll see the skins get all kind of crinkly and gnarly. And it's, it's lowering their yields. So they're intensifying the flavor. Right. They don't do it much in England. It takes patience and it, you know, it's so embedded in their practice. Even if you go to some of the factory ciders, you drive in and there's all these big, you know, piles of apples sitting around. What is that process it's, called? Because I know it's like it's when you taste something like a vol cider. It, we call it sweating. sweating. I call it sweating. Um, I'm sure there's a, a delightful French term <laughs> yeah. for it, but I don't I don't. Remember, and and you 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 lose yield. So, um, you know, you you're going to press that fruit, and instead of getting three gallons to a bushel, you're going to get like two gallons. You're going to mm. call it the angel's share, or whatever. You're going to sacrifice some volume. So it's it's more labor intensive, but you're literally also cutting your yields down. But you're getting better, getting flavor. Yeah, you're pursuing flavor. Interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's time honored over there. Um, but the way they do everything is so different. And so here, you know, we're always in a hurry. We are always trying, we pick the apples. Mm. Um, a lot of times we don't have the patience and a lot of these cultivars, these heirloom varieties, they're actually not picked until late October or even November. And so Macintosh and a lot of these culinary apples, the people want to eat, 
the true cider apples are very, very different. And um, I'm, I'm, I just really want to thank you for making the commitment to these cider lines, by the way. I just, mm. Beerwitch is kind of a famous place. And um, we don't, we, we only self-distribute now. So, you know, it's been harder for us to get our ciders into these markets. But, um, but it's, it's, it's so important. And I just thank you. And it's such yeah. a natural Really, the growth for a lot of years, we all thought that cider was kind of aligned with wine. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times it was sold in a, in a wine bottle and you saw it on a shelf. And the growth in cider has come from craft beverage, period, from mm-hmm. craft beer, period. And this whole wave of this generation of, of younger people, so to speak, who just like, they'll drink, I don't want to say they'll drink anything, maybe they'll drink anything, but they're, they're <laughs> incredibly experimental and embracing of craft. And it's fueled the cider thing. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's interesting too. It's, this is a, like a, a go-to thing that um, cider and wine is connected, but specifically like, natural wine and sour beers there's all these really interesting intersections um and i know in terms of like beer witch having a dedicated cider line like it's my boss owner krista it's one thing i say all the time when i like someone comes in for the first time it's like the this tasting room beer witch the bar we like seek to represent like beer on the entire spectrum and like Cider is a part of, you know, it's a best friend, the old, the old, old pal of um, beer in a lot of ways and um, appreciating it on that level. And I agree, like people are open to it. There's a lot of other like um, interest and kind of openings in beverages right now. Like there's a mead revival that's been happening um, partially because a it is a gluten-free beverage as well. But I find it fascinating because it is such a sweet uh, beverage in general. Um, but uh, yeah, people are absolutely open to it if they're already in a craft beer space. Yeah. Are you pouring much mead there? Uh, we have we have draft mead occasionally. We'll do, we do some bottle pours of meads or like a cherry wine, a really lovely Danish cherry wine right now and we'll sell canned and bottled meads uh in our with right next to our ciders in our cider fridge so yeah and you, you guys are really at the top of the chain in terms of just like quality <laughs> like especially imports and you know mm-hmm. what, what's on tap right now we'll switch it to beer for a minute like a couple of favorites right now that that are on tap at beer which because i know it's oh, your sure you, by the time you hear this it's it's over but you can still celebrate they're celebrating their third anniversary this month, and I yeah. told them, so congrats to yeah. Beer Witch. Yeah, just in a few days. Um, let's see. Right now, we've got uh, some OEC locals, cashmere. It's a great lager. We've got Hill Farmstead, uh, Motueka Double IPA. We've got the New York Cider Company Hop Cider. Um We've got uh, Halfway Crooks, um, really tasty uh, Dortmunder style lager on our 
one of the one of the features our bar has and we love to nerd out on are these the side pole lucre faucets they're from the czech republic originally and the czech people they've just been making lagers for so long they you know changed it up so you can get what's called a mleko pour um so it's this very different textural experience for your beers um and we've also got like um foreign export stout on from Ridgeway Brewing in the UK. Um, and, and like, that's the kind of thing where maybe people have never had the opportunity to have a foreign export stout and these more like specific regional historical styles that you don't see too often. Um, that it's just, it's a joy for me to just introduce to people. Um, There's nothing like going to it. The one thing I love about post pandemic Nothing like going to a really good craft beer bar. Chance to not only taste different styles, but in in, the, in a certain setting, and it's curated. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just one producer or something else. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, back to you. So, Northern Spot, your Northern Spot cider. Now you have different farms. What label is that under? That's the, an. All the ciders are Hudson Valley Farmhouse cider. So that's your curated. Hudson Valley Farmhouse cider brand. Oh that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had that, and one time I had um the. Uh, it, it, was it the Spitzenberg? Oh yeah! Oh my God! Asopa Spitzenberg used to have that around. Asopa Spitzenberg, we call that Spitz. Um, <laughs> that is such an elegant cider. I took that out. I gave a keynote talk. Excuse me for losing a little. Um, we're, we're just happy that you're keynote. on. I just, everyone yeah. should know you're, up, you're, you're upstate and <laughs> in, in, in uh, are you in Millvale? Is that the town in Hudson Valley? Well, we're in um, Statsburg and Stone Ridge. Oh. And that's about two hours north of the city? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey. So, and actually, one of the farms is pretty close to the town of Asopus, where the Asopus Spitzenberg originated in the 1700s, um, became very important apple. Um, believe it or not, George Washington grew them. Thomas Jefferson grew them. I'm not trying to be part of the, you know, great white father thing, but it's it's just a verifiable fact. Mm-hmm. These guys both came to New York and bought a sub of Spitzenberg on Long Island at the in in Newtown, Flushing Queens, and these guys bought George Washington. There's correspondence on it. Went with John Adams, who drank cider every day. And they went to Flushing, Queens, Newtown, to the Prince Nursery and bought trees together. Mm-hmm. It's like crazy. It's like some crazy movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so these apples have been around for a long time, but very few people are growing them. I took the spits. I gave this big talk at CiderCon, and uh, we poured some of these great old apples. We had a bunch of producers there. Dan Pucci helped put it together. And I w- it turned out I was the only person. I had Lots of people make a Northern Spy, hundreds and hundreds. But I was the only person, it turned out, that I could find in that moment who did 100% a sub of Spitzenberg. I was the only one. I w- that shocked me. I thought many more people would have been, um, but, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not, there's not very much of it growing. That's part of it. And the people that are, um, working with it a lot of times are blending it because they don't have enough of the stock. That'll change over time. Um, 
And the the other one I'm I'm looking at important the golden russet golden russet, this is a New York State russet. They they grew thousands of acres of these things, mostly for cider in Westchester County. Mm. So when we talk about like this apple history we have, it's so big. And it's also so disappeared in so many ways. I mean, mm. in my wildest, I can barely imagine anybody growing apples in Westchester. What 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 would it take to, to get more people to grow? I mean, not just in orchards, but in people's yards. Well, I and think all we're that. seeing it. We're seeing yeah. it. And one of the things that happened that we hoped would happen was sort of our fantasy twenty years ago, is that the kids would come back to the farms. And alcohol would lure them back. <laughs> and so I can think of 10 or 20 orchards it, practically within earshot, you know, within driving distance where kids have come back to the farms and they're making hard cider. So Dressels are making Huguenot cider and Clark's are about to launch a cider and Locust Grove, Chip Kent is doing cider. He's been there for nine generations, but now they're doing wow. cider. And the Wilclos, who sell in New York, Bad Seed, you know, they're doing cider. And they're all these um, young people. It's mostly somebody under 40. Uh, and I could go on and on. And they've come back to the farm. And you know, it's Indian, made the Indian Ladder exciting. Farm, right? Indian Ladder Indian Farm. Indian Ladder is another great and example. Who's 1911? Well, 1911 are further upstate, and I actually don't know them well, but they're very, very big growers. And they were growing a lot, kind of, I will say, you know, for the processing, for applesauce and mm. apple juice. And they've been, you know, they're they're knocking it out of the court. They, they brought in a really fine um, winemaker, cider maker. And that's the other thing. I mean, we're, we're like, this is not just stuff that you ferment in the garage. People are really bringing in some talent and there's an organization we basically brought the guy who wrote the book in england peter mitchell over to the states and he there's the cider institute of north america and they've been doing for about five years a lot of really big staff trainings the american cider association mm -hmm. there's now a certification program you you guys should think yeah. about that um, um I, I am the, on my way to getting that certification uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh the level Congrats. one yeah my my uh my boss krista has that certification but wow. it's all part you know of what? the educational on, on aspect. that note we're yeah. going to take a short break we'll be back in a few minutes talk more <laughs> about cider certification on beer sessions radio all right this episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. 
Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, support us, become a member, heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. We've been on the air now. It's probably almost 15 years. We've been doing Beer Sessions Radio. This is our 14th season. So thanks for your support and check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. So we got Elizabeth Ryan from Upstate Farms and and, uh, Hudson Valley Farmhouse Cider and Fee Doyle from Beer Witch. So Fee, tell us about the... Getting certified for the Cider Institute of North America. I know our friend uh, Ron Sansone has been on the board of that, so I've heard about it, but I never quite knew what it did. Yeah, um, as it's through the American Cider Association, um, it's you know the equivalent of Cicerone in beer or sommelier with wine. Um, but um, so far, I'm I'm studying for level one. The, it's called the CCP. Um, an overview of history of regional regions where cider apples apples are grown. Um, overview of you know when you look at in many food and beverage like the flavor wheel and where even one specific apple if you made a specific uh, single apple cider from it, um, where it would hit on the scales of acidity, bitterness, um, et cetera. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a really, uh, in the same way when I, like I have a little level one certified beer server certification for Cicerone, in the same way of like elevating beer, um, talking about cider, um, and as, uh, you know, as technically and as, um, glowingly as it deserves to be spoken about. Um, and I think it's, uh, I think, like I said earlier, it's like presenting cider as if it is as delicious and wonderful. And we should be talking about it in the same way that we discuss beer and wine. Um, but I, yeah, again, I'm, I'm working on it. So I'm all, <laughs> I'm not as advanced a, a pommelier or <laughs> uh, that kind of advancement. That's fun. Elizabeth, I just heard you pour something else. What What are you pouring? <laughs> well, first of all, I have to big shout out again to Fee for doing this. And this Yay. is something that 10 years ago, first of all, <laughs> it would have been unheard of, unheard of. When I started in the 90s, I had to get on a plane and go over there because we didn't have a vocabulary here. Mm. So bravo to you. And it just it just brings me such joy bravo. to hear that you're doing this. Yeah. Because I realize that we've, we've, we've come a long way in and people do need that vocabulary. So mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but I'm, I kind of cut to the, I have four ciders, but I jumped. I jumped the line here. I couldn't help it because... Um, so we've been barrel aging cider forever. And again, what do you need? You need a really fine, good barrel from a really good barrel source. And we've been buying barrels, um, rye whiskey barrels and bourbon barrels from a company called Hill Rock. I don't know if you guys have bumped into them mm. up oh, in yeah. Columbia County doing Solera style. <clears throat> some say um, it's the best, best whiskey, whiskey in New York. So. Yeah, Incredible. And so um, bourbon barrels can only be used for bourbon once. 
And so um, we, we buy their used barrels. We try to get a wet barrel when we can that's just been dumped. And so normally we do a bourbon barrel aged cider and we sell through it really fast because first of all, it's really good, but also beer aged cider in a beer barrel. And I try really hard for the cider not to get overwhelmed. And I usually use Northern Spy, by the way. Just It just feels right. It's iconic. And um, so since COVID, you know, we kind of pulled back and we pulled out of wholesale. We sell a lot in the farmer's markets and at our, our farm stand. We're, we're beginning to get um, back in wholesale. So we have these incredible um, barrel-aged ciders that we aged longer than we ever would have or could have or intended to. And so we have these ciders that have now been in wood for two or three years. And that's what I'm drinking. I wish you guys could drink it with me. <laughs> so what So what are you done? Is it, is it too much? Oh, my God. Barrel? I'm just like uh, practically having an orgasm here. I'm sorry. but Is this so, called the Woody? It's what? Like scrumping. That. You're scrumping with the Woody? It's, no. It's, Did I just say that? Jeez. <laughs> Did you just say that? But it's, um, it's, it's, it's a got, wood bar- you know, barrel, wood. wooden it's barrel. All, no, it's all right there. You. It's all right there. <laughs> Low yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the difference, the difference um, that this cider, we pulled this cider out of barrel and bottled it um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was just like, "Are you, are you fucking kidding me?" Like that was like I tasted it, and it's like I don't even believe how good it is. And so then you ask yourself as a producer is like, okay, is it merely that it was in wood longer? Is it the inherent quality? Of course, it's all these things. Is it that we put really good cider in? Is it that we, by sheer accident, left it longer? Normally, we're under so much pressure, like to tie up something for two years. You know, and that might not sound like a very long time, but it, but we we... We don't typically age for two years. It's it's elevates. You also have to keep an eye on it too, right? I mean, you do have to check. Oh my them god, yeah. yeah. You lose a lot of it. We probably you lose at least ten or twenty percent of the barrels. I would never angels. have the patience for that. I can't even do. I can't even do sourdough starter. I'm like short order cook. <laughs> no, all the but way. a lot of things happened during COVID that were game changers. Mm. And one of the things that happened for me during COVID is. I didn't have as big of a staff, and so we were juggling a lot more things. And and anyway, I really I'm the, the, one of the so reasons. So it's a mistake. You I'm just left it. You had to leave. Disappointed it. that I'm not down there with you guys. <laughs> I have to get you bottles of this because really wanted to drink this. We're gonna have you down. We're gonna do this again in the winter. You're gonna be in the studio and, with and me and me and you. Yeah, so. hey, and Jimmy, you guys get the color is so gorgeous i'm just kind of but more than that it's it lingers on the palate and it's it gets there's a thing that happens i'm not that much of an expert but you know the longer you leave things in wood there really is a magic alchemy that happens where you get these caramel notes Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and you you get the long fibers and it's not that raw and and there's no substitution for time like you can't cheat on that. It's just got to be in the wood. You know, I've had some old old school farm ciders where the same thing, where it was like a raw 
you know, heirloom tannic site or whatever you, it is, acid, and it was in a barrel for a year. And th- those are some of my, that's some of my favorite style of ciders. Um, I don't get that too often, but I feel like that's an old school method. Well, it's done a lot. In is it. that what you're talking about or something different? Yeah. And it's got to be decent wood too. That's part of it. So you can't, you can't, you know, Hill Rock is very high end, beautiful. They're, you know, their bourbon sell for, you know, $100, $120 a bottle and using the best wood they can source. And I think that's a factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it affects, I feel like this is what you're saying also, the, the, the mouthfeel really. I have a sense of the wood itself when you are drinking something that has spent that much time in, in a barrel. Um, yeah, really lovely. So yeah, so that's kind of fun. And I have to admit, I skipped over two other ciders <laughs> because, you know, I'm sitting here staring at this bottle and I'm just like, <laughs> I have to. Well, that's fun. Hey, you know, and Fee brought something cool. Whether it's Scrumpy or Pet Nat, that's a neat. We started a very cool conversation. Is it Scrumpy or Pet Nat? <laughs> what did you bring, Fee? Because we just drank the whole bottle yeah, while we were sitting we're, here. We're done oh my with God. It. Um, so I've got a bottle from. Black Duck Cidery. Uh, they're uh, representing the Finger Lakes region. They're up in Yeah, Ovid. we know them incredibly well. He yeah. does some amazing things. Yeah, and super wonderful. Uh, John, he will hand deliver um, our orders <laughs> and talking about like hand, hand uh, you know, person to person development of business um, from cider to beer. Um, so we're drinking, um, this is called a Crim Seckle pear cider so, oh my god i've had that that yeah. is so good it's so oh delicious yeah it's so it's a fruited cider uh not a perry um and then it's just fun it's from their cassette deck series so this fits in with our love of music as well there's cool um picture of a uh little tape tape here but uh so it's a blend of um seckle pears um and uh, and then a crimson crisp apples as well as some crimson ta 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 where'd they go one sec crimson topaz um, and yeah um, I think it's on the same lines it's a wild fermentation so no um, no yeast pitched or inoculated um, it's unfiltered and you get that lovely like mouthfeel of an unfiltered cider um, but it has that raw quality the very raw quality so what could yeah. this so be called a scrumpy those three cultivars that's a killer combination mm-hmm. they, those are great varieties and um so right out the gate and you know john's john's a real purist mm. uh what, and i'm becoming kind of a purist but when you're when you do those wild ferments you always take a chance. Mm. It's not predictable. Like a champagne yeast, you know exactly what it's going to taste like. You know what's going to happen. So it's it's the people that are willing to do this. It's all small batch. It's bold. It's, um, you know, and I think these small batch producers, and we have a lot of big, wonderful producers too, but, you know, these, these small batch producers are really um, – kind of sticking their necks out you know mm-hmm. 
You know, Elizabeth and and Fee, that's why I got jazzed about Cider Week way back in 2011, because it was meeting all the small producers from from the Northeast, including New York and and now New England. And and they're not taking chances as much as it's small batch. And it's it's what I love, whether it's indie music, indie craft producers. I, I still love that. And I feel like these indie cider makers are still where it's at. And I'm just really happy that we're, we're talking about this. And Scrumpy, let's 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 wrap up and talk about Scrumpy first. So, Scrumpy again, it doesn't sound like much. I know there's an innuendos, but this right now we're drinking something that's raw. It's 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 like a pet nap. It, it, I think in this case the the wine reference is important because everyone seems to say pet nap and they're willing to try it. Um, how do you feel, Fee, as a person who's who's selling and serving people to use that term when you're describing something like this does anybody ask for pet nat at beer witch uh yeah yes i mean we've we've frequently i think based on our design aesthetics um uh and uh we look like a wine bar from ostensibly outside but we our license is such that we don't um, serve wine and, You're a and beer part of our, eating place beer only. Yeah, I'm, I wow. like we can serve gla- uh, wines by the glass, but um, but we don't sell any to Restaurant go. Wine yeah, um, it's a tavern license, um, and uh, I think it's I will engage in those terms only when it kind of seems like it's going to benefit the interaction. I I personally go to describing like mouthfeel flavor you know how it how the color of the cider in the glass is um and any kind of general just the when you meet the person you're like what do they want me to say to them (laughs) (laughs) so i can sell this beverage to them um yeah i think pet nat and orange wine as i said mentioned earlier but um it's it's interesting to be like aware of these terms they're not always necessary but um they they're tools i find oh good yeah and elizabeth you wrap that one up yeah yeah well yeah so you know really i'm not sure there's a line between scrumpy and pet nat no matter what (laughs) um and and i think it's i'm interested fee that you say that you're not you know i i still struggle with this even though i've been doing it for decades how to communicate to the consumer the right thing. Of course, you mm. want them to figure it out themselves, but um, but I find that those words are important. I am gravitating a lot towards petting out these days. We rarely say scrumpy. And part of that is it's just people are like, oh, pet nap. Mm-hmm. And they know what it is. Mm-hmm. Scrumpy, they're like, oh, what, what, what? So, um, uh, so it's like you, defi- know, you need to define something. One thing about beer is that you know, there's often a brand or a style, and you can reference that. And I guess if you're referencing Pet Nat, then you kind of know what that is. So, I get what it. people yeah. do now. They didn't three years ago, and I think it's always the craft small batch producers that are like the tip of the spear. Mm. We're always kind of like leading this. That's how I feel. And we're introducing it in, in, in accordance with, with folks like you, Fee, and you, Jimmy. I mean, you guys, but framing this language. And there's, there's been such a long 
way to come because we had this break in our culture here, right? During pro- prohibition, whatever you think of it. Mm. Um, I've been finding out a lot more about my own family's adventures in prohibition, which were many, <laughs> and they loved cocktails and they loved going into New York. And so uh, I feel like we're just bringing it home with, with cider and beer, too. I mean, I feel like it's just like a reset button for America. And that's, that's very, very exciting. And, Jimmy, you know, when we did the first, um, first Cider Week, you know, we had like nine producers there, remember? Oh, yeah. Now we could have 200. It's amazing. Um, you, how about we'll wrap it up? You guys each ask each other a question. We're <laughs> both thoughtful people. Mm. But. Mm. Well, well, I have one, but it's sort of a low, low down question. But I am curious what you look for, Fee, in a cider. Personally, I forget, forget your, you know, but what floats your boat as a beer drinker? Are you looking for tannin or bitters or like what? What is it that that makes you go, oh yeah, huh? Well, uh. I feel like um, something that's mysterious to me about cider is um, when I have like something like what I'm drinking, a, a scrumpy or a pet nut, is that it tastes remarkably close to what the experience of the fruit having eating the actual apple is like. And I and I'm not thinking about it as if it's an alcoholic beverage. It like it it it, huh. it kind of erases something in that part of my brain and that those are the ciders that I'm like oh I just appreciate so deeply um and I I suppose I I lean toward medium carbonation and these kinds of like little details but I like I appreciate a good amount of acid um but and then tannins as well just to give your like a different texture and mouthfeel but I think it's the this is the juice of an apple. This is very lizard brain. This is the juice of an apple. Um, <laughs> it's alcoholic, but this is an apple, not like a grocery store apple. So, and um, like it, you know, it, it transports me a little bit. Yeah. I, I hope you share that answer in one of those classes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They'll give you like an A plus. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's recorded for posterity. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I think that's very that's very intriguing um, to me. So the fruit really speaks to you in addition to everything else. And I think that is the thing that is elusive when people scale up on ciders mm. and they start they start doing these tight filtrations that they have to do. The first time I filtered my cider, I still remember it in '97. And we were making Maeve, our first, you know, release. And um, we ran it through the filter. And what the filter took out, flavor-wise, I literally cried. And I Mm. drank what was filtered out. And I made the guy who worked for me, I said, drink this. You're drinking the soul of the apple. And we just took it out. (laughs) So... 
you know, when you're doing these, I think you're drinking a lot of these ciders that are probably unfiltered. Mm. And that's why they're keeping a lot of that aroma and essence and, you know, um, for a lot, you know, fruitiness. And the power to you, Elizabeth, that you've, you've stuck with it for so long. Fee, do you have a question for her? I know you yeah, do. Yeah. Um, uh, for Elizabeth, I, I think it, like, it's inspiring to me as being someone who's younger, uh, of a different generation in this beverage space. Like I'm someone who you described earlier, so might come to make cider on a farm or a, a mill. Um, and for you who have, you've been working so long in the cider space, is there something like being a woman in the beverage space? <laughs> like I, this could be a whole episode onto itself, but uh, as um, what, I don't <laughs> that journey like for you, how has that journey been a little bit? And what do you think, is there something 20 years ago that you didn't know that you might know now. And I don't know if it's specific to cider, but um, I don't know. Wow. There's 10 questions in that. Yes. um, (laughs) Really good questions. Really quickly on the, on the women thing. I think historically women have always, you know, done a lot of fermentation and distillation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. back in the day. There's, there's more and more scholarship on it. Um, no, John Adams didn't make cider. His wife made it for him. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty well documented. Was- but I I will say um, at the time that I was sort of coming into this and there were very, very few role models or mentors, I felt very embraced. Mm. And there were a lot of older men, the first guy that hired me, and uh, he had he had lived and worked in France, and 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 when he hired me, and I was having so much trouble. I was just telling this story today in 1980, and like nobody would even interview me or hire me. I wanted to work in the industry in wine, then not so much cider, and you know Mark Miller from Ben Marl Winery, one of the first farm wineries in New York State. And the day he he brought me in and he hired me as vineyard manager for 75 acres of grapes. And I bought an orchard. But he said to me, "Um, you know, I really think it's time for the girls to have a chance, don't you? (laughs) And that was a beautiful moment, right? Mm. And so um, I feel like a lot of doors were beginning to open and I was able to walk through them. So that was a special time. I don't think it was like that 50 years ago or a hundred years ago. That's an amazing answer. So Mark Miller, yeah. he was like the first new, like New York state licensed winery. Wasn't he started? The- he wrote, he literally wrote the bill. He, he wrote, there's this famous picture of him making the governor and he had lived in France. I mean, I think part of the story here is those of us that kind of went to the old world, to Europe, to learn what we could there. Mark had lived in Burgundy and Bordeaux and he was like, like, came back here and he was like, what's wrong with us? He bought an old vineyard in the Hudson Valley. Um, and we're trying to revive these old orchards. We're trying to save them. And it's, it is a little daunting because um, real estate is worth so much money. So we're, we're experiencing, it's like Sonoma now in the Hudson Valley. And um, a lot of these properties, obviously, they're worth more with houses on them. 
But anyway, I don't think I even answered your question. But I think you did yeah, more than you, you think. Did. Yeah. And I'm going to say, you guys are so awesome. And you know what? We're going to do this again. We're going to come back in the winter. We're all a little quieter and well, slower. Fee, and we're I'm going to come and out. visit you, Fee. And yeah. we're yes. going to pass the torch to you. Yes, and please. I think you should come up to my farm. And I'm going to be down at Cider Feast this weekend. Okay. But uh, anytime you want to come and, you know, ferment some fruit or love have that. a hands-on, you know, yeah. um, Jimmy, of course, our door is always open. You know, we we are also so overdue. But whatever it is, we're we're going to do this again and keep talking deeper. I want to thank you both, uh, Elizabeth Ryan and, and and Fee Doyle. Thanks so much for joining me here on Heritage Radio Network. Big shout out to our engineer, Armin Spengen. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host on Beer Sessions Radio. Wow, going on 15 years here on Beer Sessions Radio. We'll catch you next time. All right. Woo. Hey, it's Cider Week somewhere in America. It's Cider Week this week in New York. All right, guys. See ya. Bye. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.